0: Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone today back to the Cloud Zendo, whose home uh, today is in Apamata in Austin, and whose reach, like our practice, extends uh, throughout the world. Uh, from my uh, little, little room here on the hillside in Molokai, it's, it's wonderful to be with you. Let's sit together for a few minutes, after which uh, please chant with me, with your voice, the, the verse of the robe. to offer a gentle reminder as we sit that these five or so minutes in the beginning are not uh, waiting. They're not waiting for some teachings to come or for the next thing to happen. Is the full and complete and wholehearted embodied expression of our practice sitting. Silent, upright, sitting in steadiness. And whatever is moving in our heart or our minds, whatever aches and pains or joys or fears we have in our body. We sit without reactivity. Even to all our reactivity, we simply sit upright in stillness and silence, not as a way to suppress or stop or squash, but to open ourselves beyond our ordinary thoughts and feelings, reactivity, the ways we manage what we call our life, and instead be steadfast and allow life to meet us in a kind of intimacy, which is very different than our ordinary active lives. So this isn't a period of waiting. It's a necessary practice And I deeply appreciate all of you who come and sit in the beginning, either before we ring the bell, and then after we ring the bell to begin formally. Because you're offering yourselves to the shared and sometimes invisible intimacy of this entire group. Just like one might do if, in another tradition, you offered your prayers for someone that it, it is, it's very similar. They may not know it, they may not see you, but your wholehearted presence and offering is a gift. So our is not waiting for something to happen. It's resting in the center of everything happening. verse of the robe, um, which we've spoken about so often, is classically chanted at the end of sitting, usually in in the morning, early, at which time, and today I'm wearing my rakasu, the small, small robe, um, with the patchwork pattern of the larger okesa that uh, priests would wear. This is my rakasu that I sewed for my Uh, priest ordination with Blanche's assistance, and we chant um, vast is this robe in which we're held, which is a this field of benefaction. And I want to speak about that um, just a little bit more in a very um, very personal way, <clears throat> and talk about a word that we use in Zen quite a bit, which is intimacy. When I was sewing my robes, I would spend a good bit of time with Blanche in the sewing room, and it was a, a lovely thing. It was one of her great Dharma teachings. and We would go into the sewing room, and uh, plug in the iron so we would be ready for us. And we would light the altar a candle and offer incense and do our bows, and then we'd begin to sew. Her teacher in Japan, uh, Joshin-san, would talk about the okesa as being the whole body of the Buddha. And so this is what we were, we were working on. And here's a story that she told me. It's an, it's an old classical story one day. And it involves two uh, people who show up in our list of, of ancestors in in the Zen lineage. Um, Ryozon Enkan and Duan Kanchi, which you don't need to know those names. But there's a, a teacher and a student, just like we were. And the student was the personal attendant of the senior teacher. And as such, he carried his robes for him. When you go into the the zindo or the Buddha hall before you do the service, the robes are folded in such a way and in a beautiful envelope. And so this uh, student would carry his master's robes. And there was a moment when the older teacher needed to put on the robe. It was time to do that. So the student handed the robe to the teacher, and the teacher said to his disciple, as he was doing this, what is the business under this patched robe? You know, he's asking him, what is this form? Uh, Why put on this thing? Who are we actually? What are we doing? What is the business under this patched robe? Uh, The student, as you might expect, didn't have any answer. He was sort of stopped. And the teacher said, To wear this robe and not understand the great matter is the greatest suffering. Why don't you ask me? To wear this and not understand what you're up to. So why don't you ask me? So the student asked the teacher, what is this business under the patched robe? And the teacher said, intimacy, intimacy. And it was at that moment that, in many, like in many of these stories, that the student came to his first realization or kind of broke through the barriers of his more constrained consciousness and began to wake up a bit. And so he bowed to his teacher in gratitude, tears flowing from his eyes. And the teacher asked, well, what is it that you've understood? Something has hit you. Can you express it to me? And the student just repeated the question first, what is the matter under this robe? and gave his his answer, intimacy, intimacy. And the teacher responded with a final comment saying, uh, intimacy and even greater intimacy. Intimacy, even greater intimacy. So what is this intimacy? You know, we think about it in, in regular human terms and um, like friendships or even the intimacy of uh, loving relationships, but that's not exactly what is being talked about here in our practice. And why is it so important? What is the business under the patch robe? Whether you wear one of these or not, that's just a symbol of having taken vows. You're still immersed in the vast robe of liberation, this formless field of benefaction in which we're held. What is the business under this patched robe? Here's here's a more um, maybe intimate way of saying it to you. What is this business sitting in front of the computer screen? What is the meaning and purpose of our sitting? What's What's this business of chanting? Study. And this whole thing of inquiry as we meet like this. What is this? So bringing this question out of the early days of, of Zen lore and these ancestor stories, which were always beautiful. Uh, but bringing that into modern, uh, you, you know, I, I remembered as I was writing the story up today when I was with Blanche in Japan. And we were going to two major temples, Sojiji in Yokohama and Ehiji, which is in the Western. Um, Part a little more Western part of Japan. And Soto Zen, and our lineage, they're basically two, um, two Vatican's. These two temples share the head temple. Um, and they were the temples, Eheiji e- was Dogen's temple, and Sujiji was Keizan's, two luminaries in the past. And one of the traditional things it's done, this is just old lore, but it's, it was interesting to me as a devotional student, that when one, um, receives dharma transmission from your teacher, then you would go to one of these, you go to both of these temples actually, and engage in a ceremony called the As We Say Ceremony, in which you become abbot just for one day. And it's just um, a a, a ceremony to indicate that you have um, been given dharma transmission in the lineage of teachers that those two temples represent. And I was privileged to go with Blanche to those ceremonies in those two temples in Japan and watched her put on the robe that only, as we say, that senior person would wear. And it isn't black or these dark colors, it's brilliant, brilliant uh, reddish orange, that color that you see in, in Japanese art at times. And it's so that everyone would see that this is the person that day who's wearing this robe. What's this business though? What's the business under this robe? Bringing it closer to home. Yesterday, just yesterday, in one of my practice discussion groups, Kim Nichelle from uh, Madison, who had been um, a head student, Shuso there in Madison, at the Open Doors Zen community. She brought to our group um, a very delicate uh, sheet of paper on which there were some of uh, Dogen's words had been transcribed. they were very carefully written by Julie Laurel, who had been Kim's assistant. Remember in the old story, we had the teacher and the student. Well, in this case, we had the the head student and her assistant, uh, Shuso and the Benji. And the intimately transcribed words that Julie had made on this paper uh, accompanied a piece of a calligraphy that she had given as a gift to Kim after they had had this time together during the practice period. And the, the character of the that was given uh, was what we would translate as space. Maybe spaciousness, but space. And here are some of the words that Julie copied on that beautiful piece of paper, just a few of them, in English translation. And Kim read them to us yesterday. The all-inclusive, empty space, the all-inclusive, empty space that has neither boundary nor limitation, all phenomena are embraced in one moment of meditation, going beyond any distinction between small and large, near and far. This is that formless field of of benefaction. All-inclusive, empty space that has neither boundary nor limitation. All phenomena are embraced in one moment of meditation. Inf- the infinite nature unbe- is embraced in one moment of sitting, as I was indicating earlier. Going beyond distinctions of small or large, near or for, waiting or not waiting, sitting still or moving, And there was something so intimate and precious about the handwriting that Kim kept emphasizing the delicate nature of the paper on which it was written and the very personal script, much more than the content, which I just read, which was important and inspiring. But really it was the, the gift of the paper that you could hold holding her hands, the script that you could see the intimacy of the, the person had offered her. This is the kind of intimacy that we're, we're talking about. Intimacy, even greater intimacy with your, with your life, with each moment, with each breath. In um, a very innovative novel, which maybe some of you have read, um, by Ruth Ozeki, um, the title is A Tale for the Time Being a tale for the time being, and Ruth is a Zen student and she based her story in this uh, novel on Dogen's very powerful but famously difficult essay in Japanese called Uji, uh, which is translated as Being Time. It's really difficult to understand, very complex language, but in this novel Ruth tells a story. And early on in the story, we don't need to go into the novel so much, I was really caught by a statement that one of the characters said, and here's the quotation from the the character in the novel. Print is predictable and impersonal, conveying information in a mechanical transaction with the reader's eye. Handwriting, by contrast, resists... The eye reveals its meaning slowly, and is as intimate as skin. Handwriting, by contrast, resists the eye, reveals its meaning slowly, and is as intimate as skin. As intimate as skin. What is the business under this patched robe? Spoken up by the answers. What is this? all-inclusive space which opens as we sit together as spiritual friends, as intimate as skin. That strange phrase, handwriting resists the eye, you know, there's the, the intimacy of reading each situation for all it can reveal. It isn't just about seeing. It's not about data. The intimacy of looking deeply beyond mere appearances, allowing ourselves to be moved, touched, maybe aroused to action. It resists just the seeing, it's more. And then the second phrase, it resists the eye, reveals its meaning slowly. You may have an immediate glimpse of something, just like the student did with this teacher. When he said intimacy. But being intimate with that meaning takes time, and that's why we sit again and again and come back and study and practice again and again. Being intimate with the meaning, it it takes time. It reveals itself slowly through wonder, as we spoke about last week. Deep, penetrating practice of patience, What is this business under the patched robe, which is as intimate as skin? Many of you have heard me over and over in my teachings use these two phrases from two teachers. It's very central in my teaching. Uh, When asked, what is the mind of enlightenment? Dogen supposedly said something like intimacy with all things. This intimacy. And centuries later, Unman, another master, when asked what is the teaching for a whole lifetime, he said, "It's an intimate response. This intimacy of receiving and meeting each thing and responding appropriately." So I'm going to say just a couple of things about these to continue to to, to delve into this question of intimacy, even greater intimacy. I was curious about those quotes because I use them in teaching a lot. And so I reached out to my friend, uh, Peter Levitt, who's a wonderful translator. Some of you may have read some of his works. Um, He translated with Kaz Tanahashi, um, The Essential Dogen. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And I asked if he knew of the statement that we all use, intimacy, intimacy with all things. And he and Kaz both said, you know, I don't think it actually exists, maybe. But in an email, this is what Peter wrote to me. He said, I have to say, having been steeped in Dogen so long, that even if he didn't say it, he did. He says it in every phrase and gesture. What else is there in this intimate practice of intimacy? He says it in every phrase and gesture. And this is our task. And Peter quoted several things from uh, Dogen's translation that he's, he's done. Intimacy renews intimacy. Intimacy embraces intimacy. Intimacy surrounds you. Make an intimate study in your practice. On and on. And then <laughs> Peter says in his email, give me a break. All things are intimate with all things. You see what I mean, Flint. Even if he didn't say it, he did, in every phrase, in every gesture. Is this true in your practice? Is it as intimate as skin, your practice as intimate as skin? What else is there in this intimate practice of intimacy, Peter asked? Yeah, you know, there is no other way. Dogen says intimacy renews intimacy. This nourishing connection is life-giving. Intimacy embraces intimacy, a a holding without two, only a Buddha and a Buddha. Dogen's quote, intimacy surrounds you. It's like the air we breathe, like fish in water. You don't even notice. It's as intimate as skin. Dogen does say in one of his essays, The principle of intimacy is a principle of closeness. It means there's no gap. It embraces Buddha and ancestor. It embraces you. It embraces me. It embraces our practice. It embraces those of our generation. It embraces our meritorious deeds. It embraces what is most intimate because intimacy resides all around you. Everything relies on intimacy. Everything relies on intimacy each thing or even half thing relies on intimacy. And finally unman the other quote what is the teachings of a whole lifetime an appropriate statement or an appropriate response And once again just because I'm a nerd about these things I reached out to show Haku Okumura who is a wonderful teacher and translator. And I said, I was wondering about this appropriate response thing. Um, Do you know what he meant? And I get this long Japanese kanji. He said, oh, here's the statement in Japanese. But he said, intimacy, which he highlighted in red. There's a couple of... Intimacy is translated as Shin Mitsu. Shin Mitsu. Shin is intimacy. Not the sheen of heart-mind, which some of you know, intimacy. And mitsu means to stick together without a gap. This is what he was talking about. What is this intimacy? To stick together without a gap. And then he wrote out in the kanji what Unman's response was. tai itsu setsu, which translates as... Tai means to face, toward. Itsu or Ichi is one. And setsu is um, to say something or expound or explain something. What is this intimacy? Speaking toward one particular person. Speaking one-on-one. That the Buddha and all of us, through intimacy, offer the most appropriate teaching to the person in front of you. By every gesture, every word, your whole being. And so this is why we practice in this way. To bring ourselves to the world as intimate as skin, and to offer ourselves directly. And this is what we're doing here. This is the business under this patched robe. This is our practice, which is so profoundly needed in this world now. In whatever form it comes, in whatever wisdom tradition that we practice, it's still this, intimacy, even deeper intimacy. let hope that we can enact this as you raise your hand and, and meet this matter that's under these robes. And these robes today might be your pajamas or your business suit or your workout outfit your yoga pants whatever it is what what is this what is this so please please raise your hand
1: Hello. Oh, I just had to tell you thank you so much for that because um what it is is what you're describing is my art practice. You know just ah. the mark making. You know, when an artist who is based in you know, the teachings makes a mark, it's that expression of intimacy. Exactly. And so the way you described it was so beautiful and, you know, the way I could hear it because Mm -hmm. of my practice Mm -hmm. and I just had to share that. So, because, you know, what draws us to that, you know, if you're in a museum and you see a big side painting, you know, with the gestures and uh, any kind of really gestural painting, um, or any meaningful work that would appeal to you, whatever medium, um, you it's that intimacy that draws you
0: well that's and that it. resists the eye and you feel it as a physical yes yeah. saying you feel it physically
1: mm-hmm.
0: absolutely and when you're doing it there's that there's a mark that's made oh. by your own gesture you
1: know? when you do it when you're doing it it's transcendent mm-hmm. because you're not you're in another you're in that other space mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you. That's a, that's a beautiful uh, reminder and expression of.
1: Well, I just had to share that because it made me so happy uh, when I, because I just, it's like coming to inquiry. It gives a a form and a shape to all of these things we do and that we can help express them better. And Mm -hmm. so thank you. Well, it's
0: Part of its function is to help you understand your own heart and mind, not to understand or, Just hear mine (laughs) or or teaching, but for you to see yourself more like a mirror. Well, I think all of us should have a little mirror on our altar. We look to the Buddha, we look to the incense, the flowers, the candles, but we need to see this.
1: Well, you know, my friend Linda Pace, one of her main pieces she did was a mirrored igloo. Like you could get, it was an igloo shape, you know, like... Six, like a dome, (laughs) yeah, and then you could crawl in, and it was all Maris inside.
0: Amazing, thank you so much! (laughs) Thank you. Hi, Flint. Hi, Susan.
2: I um, wanted to um, thank you for that quote about handwriting, because in the past uh, few weeks, I've been reading through a packet of 100 letters written to me by my mother that I discovered Mm. as I was throwing things out. And I'm amazed I didn't throw those out, but they're from 35, 40 years ago. And I was so moved with an intimacy that I never felt with her or dared to feel with her or mm-hmm. maybe dared feel with me when she was alive. Mm-hmm. But the descriptions of her diurnal doings that she put down in these letters that were not profound, they were not... right. Anything. Like I said, it's
0: not the content. It's the seeing she comes through the script.
2: Yes. And I was so softened and opened mm-hmm. to um, her love that I never really felt before mm-hmm. that way. And maybe it was just the weight, the sheer weight of reading through years of these letters. But um, it, it has been a m- miraculous experience and I don't know what to, what will become of letters. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, the, the nearness of the writing and the mystery of the writing was wonderful. So thank you for explaining it to me.
0: Um, it's, it's just reflecting something that uh, it seems so potent to me and beyond the ordinary way of thinking or meeting but it's what our practice offers us and so you could read those letters and feel them and hold them in your hand and see them in a way that took you beyond and to the heart of something that you may not have ever ever gone it was an invitation that you could now accept to a place (laughs) you couldn't have gone before
2: right and if I had been so bold to say anything like that to her, she would have cut and run really fast. So this has been a a beautiful experience, as I say. Thank you for um, making it open to me even more.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. Because when you share that, then that brings an intimacy to us, too. So thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll say, as we're doing this transition, just to the next person, the one of the beautiful gifts that I was given by my mother uh, are things that she has uh, crocheted or knitted for me, like a blanket or or something. And come on forward, Lisa, I'll just keep telling my story. Uh, Hi. Uh, Can you you hear me? Uh,
3: You know, I, I can, but my volume changed.
0: Okay, so, I just want to make sure, I know you have trouble with hearing, so I want to make sure you could hear.
3: Not with my Bluetooth. I wear my little Bluetooth and stream through my hearing aid. Uh, thank you for asking. Oh, so something, oh, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I was just going to, uh, f- let me finish one thing I was going to say. Uh, oh, yeah. one, of the, one of the gifts that I was given uh, just a while back was this amazing quilt that, um, some of my students in Madison gave us and, and I just said my mom has made these beautiful afghans for us that she's knitted and it's it's sort of like a um a bridge between the art that Penelope talked about and the handwriting from mom that uh, Susan just talked about because when I wrap up in them I, I it's the it's the embrace of my mother or the embrace of my friend who gave me the quilt and uh it, you can feel it, you know, it's just beautiful. So anyway, I just wanted to say that.
1: So,
3: um, some things came up for me that I'm surprised have to do with intimacy and it has to do with kind of what I would call numinous numinous experiences that I've had mm-hmm. in my lifetime. Um, that are just mysterious mm-hmm. beyond words. I remember when I was younger, how I felt in Buddhist temples in Taiwan, even though it had nothing, you know, it's just a, something I felt. Uh, the feeling I had in Korea when I saw a monk striding out of a temple with a gong, Um, The way I felt in a hillside chapel in Hawaii and going into Father Damien's church, the most remote one, uh, in Kalapapa. um, So I feel like the words that describe that, that I couldn't describe that describe. It's being like wrapped in skin. It's being like wrapped in something. And I think I long to explain it or transmit that experience, but I can't transmit it. And I don't know if others have those same experiences when they go into certain spaces, but they aren't easily talked about.
0: Sure. I think I, I'm fortunate because in the role that I have with people, people tell me these things. So I have uh, experiences as, as like you're talking about, which are a little difficult to describe sometimes. Uh, but when you point to them, it's like Peter Levitt in that quotation in his email saying, you know, it was every word, every gesture, every part of his being, it was expressed uh, and it comes forward in you. It's called forward, just like Penelope said, through art or uh, the handwriting that of, of uh, Susan's mother. These things get called forward. I remember one time, one of them most um, I was reduced to tears, and I was happy. I was sitting in the uh, the lobby bar the Four Seasons Hotel in Manhattan doing a conference, and I'm sitting there having a cocktail in my suit, and down below, I see a group of uh, Tibetan nuns walk in, in their robes, somehow to check into this hotel. And I was so riveted, I had to go down and just stand next to them for no reason. I just left everything. And what is that call? What is that thing that brings us there? But you you also have um, and you, you don't have to tell it, but you also have a profound experience. You know, when you were so ill and your brother was there? Do you remember? Oh,
3: yes. Yes.
0: That, that makes it very personal. Yes. When you were actually not fully conscious, but yet your whole being turned towards his presence, recovering yes. from what could have been a fatal situation.
3: Yes, when I didn't, I was in a coma. I think. And I didn't know whether I was dead or alive. I didn't know whether I was supposed to live or die. And on one side was darkness, on the other side was red. I mean, it sounds like a hallucination. Maybe it was. But later. But I turned towards the thread, the red thread of life. And later I learned my brother was sitting next to my bedside, holding my hand. Mm. Unknown, unbeknown to me at the time. Yeah, No, That's no gap.
0: This is the no gap, this is the intimacy.
3: No gap,
0: it's oh the bl- yes. Actually in in, um, in Zen, we call it the blood vein, literally of transmission, that red that you turn toward.
3: So all of those experiences that I'm describing um, that I still have periodically, it's like, oh, that nails it. No gap. No gap. It's a total feeling of one. I'm there. There is That's no gap. That's why you go like
0: this.
2: Mm.
3: No gap. Mm.
0: Skin to skin. Mm. Thank you, Lisa. Wow. Thank you, Flint. Start on you. Hi, Flint. Hello, John. Um, this is almost all new to me, this this kind of intimacy you're talking about. When I think of intimacy, I think of intimacy between two persons, between a parent and child, between a uh, husband and wife, some other partners. Uh, and so I want to ask you uh, to see how it relates to that. And uh, in particular, that the feeling isn't necessarily reciprocal. One of the saddest things my ex-wife ever said to me was, I'm giving you love and you're giving me anger. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, uh, anything that you could do to uh, expand on how this intimacy applies between two humans would be helpful to me. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with feelings. So it's uh, uh, beyond reciprocity. Uh, When it moves between two humans, of course, then it shows up as the, f- the fleshy, embodied, warm, loving kind of intimacy that we think about, whether it's closeness, kindness, compassion, even erotic energy, sure. That's, that's beautiful. The kind of intimacy we're talking about is the ability to, and the capacity and willingness to meet whatever is there fully, including the sting of a disappointment, the sadness of a loss, everything, to meet everything. Everything is nothing but the fullness of life and intimacy moving. It's not just goodness, because it's beyond good, bad, right, wrong, pleasant, unpleasant. It's just meeting life as it is. Just meeting life as it is. Now, like you said, sometimes it shows up between people um, with a friend, with a child. And, and that's lovely, but it's way beyond just human relational intimacy. But to be able to practice the kind of intimacy I'm talking about allows much more capacity when we do meet it in relationships because we're less self-centered and we have um, not such a constrained idea of what, what intimacy might be. okay i appreciate that that's helpful you're even john you're raising your hand Mm -hmm. and coming forward with a question is an expression of intimacy something in you gets called up even if it's an intellectual curiosity it's more than that and then we meet and we talk and i can see that it lands somehow then you take it with you all that is intimacy so thank Mm -hmm. you for your question you're welcome
2: Oh,
0: yeah. You come to us in the evening in the north of England, huh?
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just um, wanted to be here.
0: A moment of intimacy. Yeah. 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 So much moves in that space, you're talking about. The space makes possible all of this that is beyond words. What's moving here?
4: just so deeply grateful i think and yeah. um, and uh <laughs> i think it's there's something to do with you know the the deep uh sense of how long it is since we sat next to each other or or in the same space and i'm very aware uh, as uh, as you are, you know, our uh, physical size differences makes us very aware of each other in in spaces, I think. Um, so you know, I'm kind of... Yeah.
0: For those um, of you that don't know, how tall are you?
4: I'm, I'm just under five foot.
0: And I'm six feet three. So we always enjoy <laughs> hugging.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And the number of times that we have you know sort of kind of met that in different ways
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, so I I, um, yeah I just really wanted to be in this space with you
0: and I feel a sadness for not uh, having been able to be in the same room with you and so many others for so long mm-hmm. so I appreciate your your um, coming forward so we can meet in the way that's possible mm-hmm. and that's how long have you been practicing with our group
5: um
4: well i began with uh with nothing missing which was 2012 i think we Mm -hmm. we began Uh, although you and i had met previously through Hakomi.
0: yeah more than Ah. 10 years Mm
4: -hmm. more than 10 years
0: yes Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> it is a beautiful
0: gift. Yes, you are.
2: <laughs> and you
0: <laughs> And I um with anticipation of the time we can see each other again. Mm.
4: And I would like to sort of also say, you know, that one of the things that uh, that I really touched by and really feel uh, uh, is the, you know, that the, the people come forward and offer themselves, and it's such a great offering.
0: That's a real. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, thank you for for doing that as well. And I want to say publicly, thank you for all that you do along with Jan and helping with the precepts program.
4: Another gift.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're, you're a great leader. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I invite Lynn to stand up on a chair so we can hug. But my favorite is to just go down on my knees and then we're about the same height. Hi, Sarah.
6: Hi. I guess um, one way I related to what you were saying um, is in that intimacy sometimes feels like being in water it's like my mind and everything around is water and things are floating in it and i kept and i did relate to i'm sorry i don't know the names but um marvelous things come Mm -hmm. up but also other things Yes. And, and and one that's coming to mind is, is something yesterday sitting, it's like the water was very bitter and dark. Mm-hmm. And I felt great remorse um for an action I had taken in relation to my cats years ago. Mm-hmm. It was coming up. And yes. I'm like, there is nothing that can be done about it. And resisting it and letting it happen and no, it's just like a wave in the water.
0: Yes, and the intimacy with that which arises allows its transformation. And what I was saying to John, sometimes intimacy isn't just closeness and caring and compassion. It's the sting of a loss or the grief. Or our practice allows us to maintain that upright willingness to meet what comes fully. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. I'm glad you're emphasizing that because it's uh it's so easy for us to slide into preference if we do this it'll be good yeah if we, if we practice what it will be is whole complete full everything will be given nothing will be held back it's it's quite an abundance mm-hmm. yeah.
6: yeah and that's it I just
0: it's Go so point. good to see your face and hear your voice
6: thank you in
0: mute, Dorsey, you're muted. Make sure you got it. There,
5: there we go. Got it. So um what was coming up for me uh lynn i think just it was very touching her just sitting and being um so what was coming up for me is a question about intimacy and uh transparency and vulnerability Um, So I I was sitting with the sangha after um, Zazen the other morning and I felt, um, I'm working with uh, opening and part of it is something that I haven't really been choosing, but it's just been a, a rawness that's been with me because of everything. And I, I'm sitting there and um, feeling everyone that's unable to speak, you know. And sometimes I'm not able to speak because um, I hold back and I have difficulty allowing myself to be vulnerable. And sometimes I'm so vulnerable, I can't speak. And um, <laughs> and uh, so one
0: thing that yeah, you do it was and,
5: coming up for me do. how, Does transparency help intimacy And in, what is the relationship there? Yeah
0: uh, I'm not not sure that they're lined up exactly. I'm getting a little echo I'm not sure why but anyway um, One thing that you do reliably is you keep showing up. Whether you speak up or not, you show up. And it's through your presence and through your, your joy or your sorrow, through your silence or your speaking, your presence is what demonstrates your commitment to practice and the commitment to the intimacy that's being shared. Sometimes we open to a kind of a transparency because it's required or we can't help it. Other times we might be a little bit more opaque. But we can be intimate with the with the hiding and the opaqueness. We can be intimate with the transparency. Um, it, it doesn't go one way. It's not one form. But being intimate with everything, even the hiding, even the fear, even the muteness. Be intimate with muteness, but but show up wholeheartedly. And if you can't show up wholeheartedly, if you're only half-hearted, then be 100% wholeheartedly (laughs) half-hearted. Be intimate with that. Thank you so much. That's a great question. You might have time for just one more. I fraud.
7: Hi. Wow, that was a surprise. <laughs> I was already had you given up.
0: <laughs> you made it.
7: I know I know.
0: Right here at the end, the threshold.
7: <laughs> <laughs> so it goes. yes. So I was just I was noting today when you when you spoke during the sit about this ability to just be in the center of things. And then you spoke about intimacy and I really could sense in my body, how that being in the center of things in the stopping is what builds the intimacy because being intimate with a familiar is one thing, but I am going through the most unfamiliar process Mm -hmm. that I could ever imagine of dismantling kind of my, my life work Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and going through so many, um, parts of it that are quite literal like auction and media and and really um i was really missing some intimacy there because it is so unfamiliar and it is in this flow all on its own that i'm trying to stay with and then in that moment of sitting short as as it was i really sank into being intimate with what it is i'm going through which is so important. I mean, now it feels like my life. Um, And not not in the possessive or the self centered dream, but it is the life I'm actually living and I'm available for it rather than just performing my, you know, my functions to the best of my ability. And it is so important because it is such an important process, I shouldn't miss it. And so I saw how in a small moment, I got this entire um i I kind of lost that distance you know i Mm -hmm. i felt the threshold i i really felt where Mm -hmm. i was which is really on the threshold of my life
0: and and
7: wonderful wonderful and that
0: teaching about each moment of zazen is wholeness of practice yeah the fullness of life if we let ourselves come to the center which is precisely what you said and and experienced.
7: yeah and especially with the unfamiliar the you know, like I said, loving the ones you love already, it's easy. Um, Intimacy with that, which is almost feels unfamiliar, but almost um, not stacked against you, but not friendly, you know, not about you, not reaching out, not offering much, but rather saying, come on, come on. Um, Yeah, that was really profound. And I just wanted to I'm so glad you had
0: a chance to speak about it because it's touching to me to hear your reflection since I know what you're going through and I sent my little video in by the way so
7: wow you will be the first Mm -hmm. I believe thank you so much
0: yes Uh, if in the dismantling of threshold is putting together co-creating something in the process so some of us are participating in that
7: yes thank Thank you you. Mm plant
0: bless you yes thank you so much we're gonna engage here at the end <clears throat> with our four practice principle verses. Uh, and remember, what's, this, what's the business under this chanting? What, what, what Let it be intimate. Use your voice, feel your body as intimate as skin, as, as we chant. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much for being with us today so we could express and receive the intimacy of our practice. And I think Kim will join us now as we transition to... um, the porch time with your friends.
3: Appamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support makes a huge difference. There's a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org slash contribute. Also, I wanted to announce that if you go to the Apamata calendar, you can join the after-inquiry meeting that takes place virtually on the virtual porch.